welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. If you have your Bible, turn to Mark Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read from verse 21. And Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jarius, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him. And all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she still hadn't gotten any better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. And Jesus realized at once that the healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? Who touched my robe? The disciples said to him, look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what happened to her, came and fell on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jarius, the leader of the synagogue, They told him, your daughter is dead. There is no use in troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside And asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitia Kumu, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. And they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. And Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them, give her something to eat. Amen. Doesn't matter how many times you read it, isn't it a wonderful account? Isn't it just a wonderful gospel? This account is actually in three of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and also in Luke's gospel, giving similar accounts. One gospel says of Jairus that he came and worshipped the defeat of Jesus. But the background to this is that Jesus' ministry now is underway. He had fed the 5,000. He has 
crossed over the lake of Galilee to the land of the Gadarenes, and there he met a demoniac. We all know that incredible story, you know, how Jesus delivered him from all those demons, those legions of demons, and how the pigs were, he cast him into the pigs, and the swine ran down the mountain, and fame of Jesus' ministry is beginning to spread. There's opposition, of course. We don't live in a vacuum. The Christian knows this more than anybody else. The Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood. It's not just about the physical realm, friends. People who distill life down to just the physical things are the most miserable because they have no meaning to life. And, uh, and, and also, it's faulty rationale as well. You may think that's reason. It's not reason. It's false science, false reason. You are more than just the sum total of your atoms. Uh, you are much more than that. God, the Bible says, has put eternity into the heart of man. Even though you want to deny it, there's something in the very core of you that knows that you're going to go on. And so Jesus' ministry is beginning to move, and of course, people are beginning to embrace him on some level. There's a massive curiosity. Of course, I mean, why would there not be? He's fed thousands of people. He's cast out demons. He's healed people. And his name is creating no small stir, but also there's an opposition. The religious leaders of his time begin to oppose him. What is it about religious people? <laughs> you know, the people that should know better. They're the very ones that are beginning to oppose him. They're threatened. You know, you always notice that with people who are not quite sure of their, of their own either doctrinal position or who they are. They're always threatened at something new. And, uh, the, and of course, there's a deep suspicious, suspicion towards them. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? You know, just a slur. I mean, who is he? Uh, we know his brothers, uh, James and Joseph, and I can't remember the other one, Judas. And we know his sisters, but who is he? We don't even know whose true father is. You know, this is the sort of slur that was going upon his character. It wasn't lost on them, the virgin birth. The, 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 the natural building site humor about Jesus being conceived by the Holy Ghost was uh, as ludicrous back then as it is to us now in the intellectual realm. And I can, can, can absolutely tell you that there was every side joke going about him in his ministry and at every opportunity people to try to tear him down. Just like you and me, when we come to Christ, it's not a vacuum. There's a spiritual war on. And there's a war going on in sports. Christ has come down to this place. He's back on the other side of the Galilee. And he's, he's met with huge crowds of people. Because some people are there because they're just they're, 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 they're curious. Uh, some are watching this morning because of curiosity. Some maybe have even ventured in here because of curiosity. Uh, others are genuinely seeking uh, others are overwhelmed with massive burdens in their life. They're burdened. They're, they, they've been to doctors. They've been to psychologists. They, 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 they look for counseling. They've looked for help. They've looked for answers. It's a beautiful song that Douglas brought to us this morning because it's so true. I, I know many people searching for answers, but only he provides the answer, friends. Uh, they're looking far and wide. They're looking everywhere. They're looking to man as their source. They're looking to science to give them some explanation as to why they are the way they are. And, uh, and yet those answers reside in the person of Christ. And um, so the, the Christ's ministry is beginning to expand. Uh, opposition is also expanding towards him. He's on the other side of the Galilee. Thousands of people are now thronged around him. They, there is no small stir. This is the miracle maker. Uh, the word must be going out to the mulberry trees. It must be going out to the, the grapevine that there's, there's someone powerful in town. Can I remind you this morning that he's still in town? Amen. 
He's never left us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He sent the Holy Spirit to locate him everywhere, to bring his comfort and his power and his deliverance to where you are right now. And I don't know where you are. I know where you are right in front of me, but others watching and others around this world, God knows where you are this morning. His eye is upon you. And this, this man called Jarius, he's a ruler of the synagogue. He's also uh, believed to have been a, a, a judge, a, a legal judge of the region. As in the time of the judges, they were, there was a, a time when they had local magistrates and he would have been an eminent man, a man from a very good home. He would have been pretty reasonably well healed as regards financially. He would have been an outstanding member of, of his community. He would have been looked up on as a type of leader, dignified man. A religious man, obviously a leader of the synagogue, so he would have been a devout Jew. And, but there's a desperate situation comes into his life. He's got a 12-year-old daughter who's dying, whose life is hanging in the balance, and he comes on his journey. It's amazing, you know, whatever society you come from, you're, ne you're never as secure as what you think you are. You, you might be sitting and riding high at the moment. You might be saying, I'm doing good financially. I've got a great position in the community. I'm, a, I'm well set for life. And uh, you can just think it's, it's, it, life is going to be easy streets from here on in. I've hit the top of the ladder. And, uh, but something can come in, and it does. Inevitably, it does to everybody. You know, I, I, I remember talking to a man who was a, 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 a multi-billionaire one time, an Irish billionaire. And uh, he was going to try to help us here at the church. He's not a Christian man. But he, flying high, you know, and, and I, I remember speaking to him. He, his daughter of 26 years of age was, a, was in a riding accident and fell off and broke her neck and died. Here's a man with multis of billions and, and, and not, nothing he had could save her. Nothing he could do. And I remember giving comfort to this man on a phone call. And then he lost his own life. It's like Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Eventually, a sickness, old age, life itself will catch up. It doesn't matter. But that what matters is this, that you understand where to go to when those things happen. It's important that you understand this morning, friends, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. It's important for faith to rise in your heart as you read the scriptures that nothing has changed in the economy of God. Nothing has altered in the power of God. Nothing has changed the love of God towards you today or the overtures of his Holy Spirit because he is the same. He is caring. He, he says to you, cast your burdens upon the Lord for he shall sustain you. But this man has to break through his image. He has to break through what people think of him because nobody in his society would expect him to fall down at the knees of a man of such dubious character that has dubious religious undertones. You know, it was, he, but it's amazing how a need will drive you to your knees. It's amazing when, when you know that the religion I'm serving has no answers. And I know all about that because I grew up in a religion and my mom and dad grew up in the same religion and many of you did and had no answers. I did everything they asked me to do. Still had no power over my life, no power over my tongue, no power over my nature. Didn't know if I was right with God or wrong with God or where I was. You know, it's amazing. You can serve religion. You can serve ideologies. And when it comes, when the rubber hits the road at the end of the day, there's no answers there. Because as I said to you, religion has no answers. Religion is a mere man's construction. Merely the best of men's thinking to make a bridge towards God. And every one of them is faulty. I don't care which one you are in today. Every one of them has their Achilles heel. Every one of them is a faulty way. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to men. But that way leads to destruction. 
But there's only one way. Jesus came in John and said to 6.14, I am the, 14.6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Amen. No man can come to the Father except through me. What an outrageous statement for the Jews to listen to. What do you mean? No man can come to the Father. And for you even to talk so intimately about God, that was another issue. How dare you call God your Father? And talk, the Jews never referred to, uh, they referred to Abraham as their father, but Jesus came to reveal the Father. Hallelujah. What, what, what an illumination to, to the dullness of Judaism that they only knew him through law and, 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 and through correction and through coercion and through, but now he came to relate to, relate to them the, who the true nature of God is. When you see me, you see the Father. When you see the compassion in me, you must remember this is the heart of God. When you see the desire of my heart to love you, now you understand how God loves you. Amen. Uh, what a wonderful Savior is Jesus, our Lord. And this man, he comes and he falls. He's driven because he's the one that he loves. I don't know, this morning, maybe you're here because you're driven by an, an, a need that nobody can meet. You've tried everything, and yet you're here this morning. But in the midst of all that crowd, Jarius humbling himself, falling at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus is willing. I want to tell you one thing. Make no bones about this. If you truly, truly bow the knee, if you truly fall on your knees before God, if you truly, out of a desperation, say, God, I need you, I want to tell you, he hears that prayer. Don't go on your feelings. I'm going to show that in a moment to you. You're not to live on your feelings. It's a reality. But in the midst of all that crowd, there's a woman, and we know her story a little bit. We don't know her name. We don't know her family. We have an idea of her religious background. She's probably a Jewess. But she has been suffering for 12 years and she has been hemorrhaging blood. So for 12 years of her life, it's been miserable, miserable as a Jew because she can't go to the temple and worship. She's not meant to be in common contact with people according to the Levitical laws. She's unclean and anybody that she even touches up against is ceremonially unclean, which means they then have to go to the temple to get purification. So she has to keep her little secret her, you know, private. So she has to hide what's going on in her life. And, uh, you know, but it, it's led her to 12 years of, you know, living a life that is just surviving. Like many today, you, you know, you could say, I may not have a, a physical condition, but I feel like this woman for years of my life, I'm just surviving. I'm just getting through one day after the next, and that seems to be my groundhog day, just getting by, and I'm, I'm, I'm firing money at my problems and my emotional needs and my physical needs, but they're not getting any better. And so it was that this woman, for 12 years, she suffered. She had, she had used all her money and the best of the physicians of her time, and she, was, she got no better. They depleted her resources, and actually, in fact, the Bible says she had grown worse. I can imagine, you know, how she must have felt isolated, I can imagine how she cried in her heart that maybe just one day she could feel okay. Maybe one day she could feel strong enough for her family. Maybe one day she could actually, actually keep the house tidy and have the energy to do it. I can imagine how she cried just to remember when she was a girl, when she had energy and strength, when she probably held her dad's hand and went to the temple and sensed the presence of God, when she heard the reading of the Torah and saw a lot of her heroines at the past, Deborah, probably Miriam. She read stories of the greats and she heard them read in the temple and the promise of God to send a deliverer, how her heart, her little heart must have been cheered at that time. But now that's a long time ago. There's a long time ago, she's a sick woman, she's tired, she's no energy. She can barely get out of bed. I, I don't know, I'm sure there's someone here today that you can say, I don't have her condition, but I have her symptoms. 
I have our symptoms. There was a time where I sensed God. There was a time when I went to the house of God. There was a time when I had strength, but now my body is weakened. She's absolutely desperate. And of course, she's discovered it. You know, we all have our, di- our dirty little secrets. Someone once wrote a book called Their Dirty Little Secrets. We all have the things that we try to hide and suppress from others because it doesn't quite flatter her. And she obviously doesn't want exposure here. But there's a cry that comes into the heart of a sin-sick man or woman. There comes a time in your life where you say, I, I really don't care if I'm discovered. I really don't care if people know the true reality of me. I just need fixing. Amen? I can't go on. It's 12 years. Don't wait 12 more years to push in and touch God. Don't wait another day, friends, if that's you this morning. Why do we wait so long before we truly lay hold of Him? Why is it that we'll run everywhere? We'll try everybody's opinion. We'll go to every shrink. We'll go to every doctor. We'll, deplete, or we'll go to every self-help group. We'll Google online. We'll go on YouTube. We'll find a way to fix ourselves. We'll try chanting. We'll try yoga. We'll try everything, but yet the core of our heart is untouched and is still broken. But as the secret acts of sin are done in secret, so, friends, are the secret acts of faith known to the Lord. I just want to encourage you this morning. This woman in her heart, in her heart, not in front of a Cork church, not, you know, speaking out loud to everyone around you, she said, if only... I can touch him, even the hem of his garment is another area of this gospel talks. If I can just touch the hem, the very lowest part of the wing of the garment, I know everything I've heard about this man. He sounds like everything they taught me when I was in Sunday school. He sounds like he could be the Messiah. I'm hearing things about what he's got power over demons. He walks on water, he's feeding thousands of people. He says, I'm the bread of life. He's saying amazing things and, and he's here in town. And I have an opportunity to press in as you and I have this morning. You may never get another opportunity again to press in like this. I don't know what your dynamic is, but I tell you, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time, friends. When the Holy Spirit begins to stir your heart, it begins to woo you in a direction and, and begins to draw you when you're hearing a word like this this morning. It's no mistake, friends. It's no coincidence. Because God is drawing you. God loves you. I have only a basic faculty to deal with one thing at one time. I'm a man. I can only do one thing reasonably well at one time. My wife can multitask, but God can universally task. He can see you as an only child. He sees you as an only child. He knows that there's no one quite like you. He knows how unique you are. He knows your frame, your weaknesses, your strengths, your character. He knows what you like and dislike. He knows where you're caught. He knows where you're strong. He loves you despite all these things. And what a glorious love that is, friends. That is what the the Apostle Paul said. This this love of God compels me. He had a revelation of the love of God that compelled him to, to... push through even the most horrendous physical and spiritual barriers that a man or a woman could ever go through. I want to tell you, when you get a revelation of how truly loved and cared for you are by God, it will cause you to stand in the most terrible adversities. Praise God for that. Amen. 
This world is so easy to love you one minute and hate you the next. But he is the same. Yesterday, today, his love never changes this morning or tomorrow morning. He's not moody. He's not up and down like we are. He's not like, well, if you present yourself a bit more, more gracefully to me, I will love you more. No, no, no. He says, I know how fallen you are. I've made preparation for all those failures. Hallelujah. Isn't he great this morning? Isn't God good this morning? Isn't it good to know how fallen I'm, how broken I am, and yet to say, I have made preparation for all that. I am so far ahead of you. The psalmist says, where can I go from the presence of the Lord? If I take the wings of the morning, or, uh, the wings of the morning or descend into the very depths of the sea, even there your right hand is with me. Praise God this morning. And so this woman, she, she presses in. This tortured soul suffering many years, she presses in. And she touches the very hem of his garment. And the Bible says this virtue, this, this command of healing uh, left Christ and, and immediately entered her. It's, 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 it's akin to when we come to Christ in salvation. You know, I had the privilege even last week of leading a man up here to the Lord in the sinner's prayer. And others said it at their seats and asked Christ into their life. But at that very moment of contact, Christ comes in. The virtue of heaven through the Holy Spirit comes in and renews a new life inside. You know, and you know it. You know God has done something. Sometimes you don't know the full extent of what he's done, but you know he started something. And when he starts something, he doesn't have, he doesn't have to do the job. He does it to the very end. He takes you as a, he's a workman that he's crafting and building and molding in you. And so this woman, Jesus sensed that that healing virtue going out from him, and he, he, he stops. You know, and you know this is no order. Nobody, it's lost in everybody else. The, the moment is lost on the crowd. The moment is lost on the disciples. They're well-intentioned. They're on the way to Jairus' house. It's, it's a big stir because, you know, this is a momentous occasion even for the congregants watching on. Hey, the synagogue leader is bringing Jesus to his home. This is a big deal. And everybody's going on and... and crowding in around Christ, and the moment of this transaction is lost in every, in, on everybody except this woman and Christ. Isn't it great that God deals with you intimately and knows you intimately? And of course, Jesus says, who touched my, someone touched my garments. And it must have been Peter, I'm sure. I haven't heard, the, maybe it was John. But he said, you know, eyes rolled up to heaven, I think. My gosh. What do you mean? Who touched me? There's thousands of people pressing in around you. We're going to, and if you don't stop talking and stop moving, we're going to get trampled to death, by the way. I can imagine all behind the scenes that this is getting out of control here. There's nearly a frenzy and you're talking about who touched you. Yeah. But you see, you know, it's like here this morning. There can be many people in here this morning and not touch the presence of God. There can be many watching online and some are really sensing God and pressing in and touching him and others are just merely watching the crowd, seeing where it's going to go, what sort of songs, how long will he preach this morning, will we get up before the parking disc is up, you know, all this sort of stuff that goes on. You know, I want to tell you, I know because I've sat down where you're sitting, I know where the minds can go, I know what my mind is like and if yours is anything like mine, that's what we battle with, amen. But sometimes we need to think higher. That we're in the presence of God. How casual we have been to come into the Lord's house on a Sunday, on the Lord's day, and time our day off as if it's just ticking a box. 
I left religion. Amen. I left a religion that had no power, but this is a relationship. And in a relationship, you must understand that he loves you. And he's looking for a way to impart to you his virtue. And impart into you his kindness and his love. He's waiting for you to open up that conduit so that he can flow to you and through you. And yet many can be in the house watching others like this, touching the presence of God. And you're like this. Hallelujah. Do you want to raise your hand? And that's not what God would have for you. That's not where you should stay. It may be say, hey, I got cut out this morning. But by, God, by the grace of God, by his grace, I'm going to learn how to press in. I'm going to learn how to close my eyes and shut off the world. I'm going to try to close out every other thing and put him as the centerpiece on the Lord's day. Hallelujah. I'm going to try to make him my delight because my soul is sick. It's been getting sicker for years as a Christian. I'm not living in victory. I know you're not living in victory because a man or a woman that can't worship can't be in victory. All you have is an intellectual knowledge. You're definitely spiritual life, but there's no manifestation of that life. It's not flowing because it's only from a heart full of gratitude. Those who have been forgiven much, love much. Maybe you need a revelation of what he actually did all those years ago in your life again. Maybe you need a revelation of how awful your sin was. And yet, he forgave you all that. All the most, I don't care to put them out there, but you know all the most horrible things that you've thought, said, or done that nobody knows about. But I want to tell you, press into him. Don't keep them hidden. You this morning, the faultiest Christian here in this church are watching online. I don't care how dark your sickness has been, your sin sickness, how, how awfully deep your situation is, it's a time for you to press in. It's a time for you to speak to God in the quiet of your heart and say, oh God, I need to touch you. I want to touch you. I just want to turn up because of my wife and children and have some sort of charade of, of Christian life. I don't want that. Don't let it be another week for you, please. Go back to that place you say, I'm going to learn how to press into the presence of God again. Just stand and put time to one side and say, God, I, I need, I, I have to. Not because you're commanding it, because I need it. I need to touch you. I need to sense your presence. I need to draw from you again. I'm running it empty. Oh, I've been empty. I don't even know how it got here all these years. He, he said, well, I do. I kept you. But there's so much more than just keeping you. Amen. There's so much more than just surviving. There's so much more. The Bible calls us as overcomers. Hallelujah. God, the Bible says we're overcomers. The Bible says we're more than conquerors. The Bible bestows upon us titles of sons and daughters of the living God. Not just friends, not just servants, not just running around being busy, but men and women that have, have an intimate relationship that draws down the supernatural into our existence every day that have a peace that passes understanding, that hold and possess the mind of Christ, that when the storms come to our life, we know exactly where we're going to go next. Hallelujah. And we know where we're not going to go. We're not going back to an old mindset. We're not going back to an old way of living. We're not going back to an old way of doing things. We've done that. We've bought that t-shirt. We're never buying it again. Need to burn it. Amen. This woman, and she, she, must, she knows. She knows. He knows. He knows. He does know. Well, you know, when I, when I hear the word, when the word of God comes to me, 
Sometimes the conviction can feel like condemnation, but it's not. He never condemns you. This morning, you're not to sit under this message feeling condemned. That is not the message of this church. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But it can be that convicting that the life of God is trying to, to, try to touch your life again. And, and you need to read and interpret the heart of God in a righteous way. So many of us are so messed up mentally and emotionally from our bad upbringings, from our fathers or mothers that might have been excessive with us, our school teachers, our, our society or whatever, that we misinterpret the overtures of God. We interpret the questioning of God, you know, because we don't understand his nature. And when you don't understand the nature of God, you think he's like your nature. He's not like your nature. He's everything the opposite to you. You're judgmental and petulant and foolish. He is kind, merciful, and loving, and all-knowing. Hallelujah. He could swap you if he wanted. He could put you in hell right now if he wanted to do that. Nothing could stop him. But he doesn't. He wants to put you in heavenly places. Seat you with Christ Jesus at the right hand of glory. Fill you with hope. Fill you with joy. And this woman, of course, when Jesus said, who touched me, she recoils because her thinking was a Jewish thinking. Oh my gosh, I've broken the law. I've broken the Levitical laws. The rabbi knows I touched him. I've made him ceremonially unclean. The whole of society could stone me at this moment because I've betrayed the sacred moment, all the fears. But I want to tell you, Jesus said, the Son of Man has not come into the world to condemn this world, but that the world through him would be saved. And he sees her, she sees him, and she tells him her story. Oh, and he doesn't say, woman, he says, daughter. <laughs> he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And what a relief, what a moment when the crowd here, what hope should have stirred the heart of Jarius at this moment in time. And yet Jarius, of course, hears, uh, he hears the rumor coming across. The word is going, you can imagine the word is flicking across the, the congregation. And the crowd of people say, tell Jarius his daughter's dead. Tell Jarius his daughter's dead. Jarius his daughter's dead. And all that just goes and comes to Jarius when he's with Jesus. Don't bother the master anymore. Your daughter is dead. And Jesus says to him, do not fear. Your daughter is not dead, but she is asleep. Only believe. Only believe. This morning, there's a one here that says, I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to live in faith. I'm going to push through this, the enormous strength of myself. Maybe there's someone here and it, you're, you're looking, you're like Jarius. You know, I've, 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 I should have read the symptoms of my daughter or my son earlier. I didn't realize they were that sick. I didn't realize they were that backslidden. I didn't realize that they were that far from God. I was so busy with church life. I was so busy doing good things or putting food on the table. So busy running around that, that I didn't, my, the, my wife was telling me that she's struggling. He's struggling in their faith. Kids are struggling with their identity. They're struggling with who they are. And sometimes we live in a dizzy world and pa Pastor Patrick was absolutely right. I tell you the stakes are very high in a world that is grooming your children for sexual abuse through this whole LGBTQ movement. It's a grooming movement. The stakes are very high, friends, to destroy and hurt your children. And the only thing that's going to sustain them is not going out placarding and going out. The only thing that's going to sustain them is that you and I get on our knees before God, touch them, and bring them to the feet of Jesus. And he could have let condemnation say, oh, I, 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 this is all in me. And maybe it was. Us dads, we could be more on the things than on the people. More on, on the, you know, we call them the big issues. But the big issues are the people. The big issues are our children. You know it. Every dad knows this to the very core. We all know. We don't need to be told that. 
We're built very differently than our wives. But it doesn't matter. He could have laid a heap of condemnation on himself. Like many today, my son and my daughter are spiritually dead. They're, they're, they're so broken. They're, they're gone. They're far from me. They're far from what I had planned for them. You know, it comes that moment where Jesus says to you, as he said to Jairus, they're not dead. They've only fallen asleep. I want to tell you this morning, for yours and for mine, and I have some as well, not just in the immediate family, but wider family, that have fallen asleep, friends. That had the plan of God in their lives, and now the enemy seems to be all over them. I want you to have faith. Only belief. God, Jesus says, <laughs> they're only asleep. I'm able to do a miracle in their life. I love Jeremiah 31. He says, refrain your voices from weeping and your eyes from tears. For your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord. And they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope in, in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. Hallelujah. Can you hear that this morning? Can you hear that for your family? Can you hear that for your brothers and your sisters? Can you hear that for your backslidden friends? It was so wonderful for me on Wednesday night. I won't name the characters. They know who they are. Two lovely young men that grew up in the house of the Lord here. Deeply love these young men. But there was a moment as pastor, I just didn't know where they were spiritually, just coming in and coming out, missing for a while back in. And I talked to them last Wednesday, said, it's so good to see you. I said, I know you're growing up and you're embracing, you, you know, ideas and things are coming up against you, testing you. And I said, I thought we lost you. And they said, no, no, not at all. We're back. Hallelujah. God's drawing young men and women onto himself. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, friends, he's not finished with our families. And Jarius knew to trust him. And I want you to trust him for your family this morning. You need to trust him for your healing. You need to trust him for your family. You need to learn how to press into God. You need to how, know how it is, what it means physically and practically to invite him back into your house. You know, they had to bring him, you know, there's many Christians here this morning. And you know, the crisis in your life and he's in your house, but he's not in your house. The television is in your house. The iPads are in your house, the computers, the devices. But that sense of, Honoring him, locking yourself in the room with you and your family and your dying children. You know, getting together into the presence of the Lord, pressing in. When you say, oh, it's too late for that now, pastor, they're, they're gone. I won't get that opportunity, maybe not, but you and your wife can. You can start seeking God again. And Jesus goes to the house of Jairus, just a beautiful, incredible. This is a real event, though. This is a real 12-year-old little girl dying. I'm dead. And everyone's wailing. She must have been hugely loved. The whole community are broken for Charis, broken. This little girl is dead. It's so final. There's a huge commotion going on. The emotions are running very, very high. And Jesus comes in. And in the midst of that high emotions, Jesus said, don't worry. She's only asleep. And they're laughing. It's, it's a nervous, sarcastic laugh. It's a laugh like, you know, please spare us. Spare us this spiritual junk. Spare us at this moment of trial, you know, and I've seen it even as a minister going and ministering to people and saying the only truth that I know to be truth. But at that moment in time, it's lost in them because the emotion is overwhelming. Thank God that Jesus didn't recoil then and he doesn't recoil now. Sometimes I've seen the most carnal reactions from people when you're seeing what is absolutely right. And in my, in, sometimes in my early ministry, yeah, as a pastor, I felt the insult towards me and I recoiled. Well, shake the dust off your feet. You know, it's sort of self-righteous sort of, you know, well, bear it on your own. I, I don't need to be jumping into that mess with you. 
you know, and, and, and preserving myself. Thank God Jesus didn't preserve himself or his reputation. If the truth is true, friends, it'll hold true all the way. Amen. Whatever circumstance you walk into, we don't declare our truth. I don't have my truth. We declare the truth of Jesus Christ, who, who's, who's, uh, who's ever present in need and trouble. And so he comes and he, he brings them into that room where the little girl is, locks the door behind him, just him and his three disciples, and Jarius and his wife, and that little girl. And he speaks in Syriac over her. Little girl, I say to you, arise. And she arose. I'm just paralleling it to our lives because Christ is saying to you and yours, arise, 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 arise. Maybe someone here this morning, maybe someone here has to take this word and apply it into their family, into their children, into their marriage, into their wider family relationships, Maybe into your own heart that you feel that you've just died spiritually, but Christ has once again entered the room. You can have a sarcastic giggle. You can have a judgmental laugh. You can look at it, this message with one eye open and one eye closed. You can give it the long stare. Or you can say, oh, Jesus. As the hymn writer wrote, I love the, the word, so love that will not let me go. That chases me down is another song. Fights till I'm found. Leaves the 99. You know, when we begin to consider him who had endured such hostilities against himself because of us friends, who went to a rugged cross to pay the ultimate price for the ultimate price, to reconcile not just us but all of creation and all of the universe unto God. Sin had marred everything. It had ricocheted and reverberated to the entire cosmic world, to all what was created, brought a disorder, but yet Jesus reconciling everything unto himself, restoring that order and bringing with him those who would receive him to live eternally with the heavenly father. This was a phenomenal time. You know, the people worship with their lips, but their hearts can be far from them. But it's the humble, the honest seeker will find him. He will always find you. If you're humble this morning. If you've got even faith the size of a mustard seed. Your light might be dimming. Your faith might be small, but it's there. From the helpless, which seemed to be Jairus' daughter. That seems a helpless situation. She's dead. To a hopeless situation of a woman that has been suffering. He'll find you. I tell you this morning, have you heard about Jesus? He's in town this morning. He's here. His Holy Spirit is here. He's been walking through the aisles as we were worshiping. He's been passing by and forth. Passing up and down here as we worshiped his holy name. His Holy Spirit has been heavy in this place this morning. Why? Does he need to be here? Does he get some sort of God complex kick out of just paying us a visit? He's here because he is the son of righteousness of Malachi. Chapter 3, who is risen with healing in his wings. For he knows you need a touch. And that's why he's here. We feel that we are coming to touch him. 
but we quickly find out when we truly walk with him that his heart is more to touch us than our heart is to touch his. But you need to respond. Hallelujah. We need to respond this morning. I want us to pray. I want us to pray. We're going to lay on hands in a few moments and just anoint with oil. But there's someone here that, and you're sick and you need the laying on of hands. You need anointing with oil. And it's your moment to be healed. And God will call you forward for that. And there's others that you have situations of spiritual death, burdens that you can't seem to carry, that you just need to press in to the presence of God and touch him and say, oh God, I need you to do something extraordinary in my life again. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to come just for a few more minutes. The service is not going to go much longer. These accounts, these true historical miracles and accounts of real people. You'll meet Jarius' daughter one day. You'll meet Jarius. You'll meet this woman that was healed from 12 years of bleeding for sure. But you need to also be able to bring your story to the table when you meet them and say, hey, I was inspired by what Christ did in you. And I pressed in on a Sunday morning in court church. And I came forward and God healed me. God touched my children. God touched my family and my life. I want to tell you, this is not meant to be an academic exercise. This is meant to be an engagement between you and God this morning. So as we worship the Lord, close your eyes for a moment. As the Holy Spirit moves upon your heart, leave your seat and say, Oh God, I just need prayer. I need to press in. I need a touch from heaven. Hallelujah. Close your eyes right across the church this morning. Don't worry about another one. Don't worry about those who may not be here or those who are here. You have a need in your life that only Christ can meet. And you must understand he will and he wants to and he desires to meet that need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come unto me, he says, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. I will give you Shabbat. I will give you peace. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am weak. I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Hallelujah. Begin to raise your hands and say, Oh, Jesus, can this be my morning to receive a miracle, not just for me, but for my children? Lord, my son, my daughter. Lord Jesus, please, you see where they are. Spiritually, they're just rotten, God. They're even on, they're even on the other side, whatever that might mean. And he said, no, they're only asleep. I can revive them. And press in. No, I think the stakes are too high for you not to press in and just leave it to fate. I think God will say to you this morning, take a step of faith. Take another step of faith. Make it that little step towards me. Draw near to me and I will draw near unto you, says the Lord. We're going to worship this song. The altar is open to come forward. Pastors and deacons are prepped to pray with you and lay hands and anoint you with oil should you need that but respond to the Lord this morning that same Jesus Christ that raised that little girl touched that dear woman is here in this house this morning hallelujah thank you Jesus thank you for being amongst us thank you for tuning in with us today make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at courtchurch.com. 
or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.